0: Hey everyone, BT here. Today, David and I are talking about armadillo apocalypse and bracing for that here in North Carolina. All joking aside, this is a great conversation about the epic migration patterns in animals and what nature and humans have in common We know the differences, but this is more of what we have in common. This evolves into a conversation about our current situation we find ourselves in with the pandemic that we are currently in and have been in for the last several years, as well as the great migration that humans are now making to move from the major metropolitan areas into more quiet rural areas. You're going to want to check this one out. This is a full throttle Thursday, epic migrations and bracing for the armadillo apocalypse. Let's get to it.
1: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast.
0: All right, so hey, welcome back. Uh, Recently, you sent me a story. From, and I was, it, was, it was a little out of left field, which yeah. kind of struck me a little oh, bit. Yeah. That's why I thought it would be an interesting enough conversation to have here. And it's something we've never talked about before.
1: No, you know, and, it's, <laughs> and I think we should make a point about that. I mean, uh, this is something that happens. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's happening more and more. And we've known about it. Um, but for various reasons we haven't really we haven't really talked about it
0: that's right so what exactly are we talking about today well,
1: why don't you why <laughs> don't you introduce it
0: so uh, yeah so really what this boils down to is you sent me a news article that had to do with armadillos migrating from their southern lands and they're eventually making their way into the western part of North Carolina. Now currently we live in the central part of North Carolina, so we have not seen any armadillos here. However, it has been known that they are slowly making their migration this way. And who knows, it's only a matter of time maybe before we seen them. So I guess the question I had to start with is, have you ever seen an armadillo period in the in the wild?
1: Yeah, I have. You have? have. Okay. I have and um in the well, I'll tell you where I where I saw them. Uh, this is going back quite a lot of years, uh, but there was a period of time when I was going back and forth between Illinois and Florida. Sure, and there were an extraordinary amount of armadillos that had been hit by cars uh, on the side of the road in Florida, and then I found out that it's a thing like they're infested. Uh, with armadillos in Florida, which I didn't even know, so Did not know it was kind of like, oh, this is this is very interesting. The other thing that was like a bit of it, and my a friend of mine used to make the craziest jokes about this. They have a bug in Florida called a love bug, and um, so, and I think that it's it's like once a year, like in May or something, that these things come out, these love bugs, sure. and they're so thick that. You can't drive five feet without having your windows so plastered by these love bugs when you're driving in the car that you have to stop and, and clean your windows off. It's horrific. Right. And I I didn't know about these, and I was driving down there, and it, I was literally pulling over almost every other gas station exit to get the scraper out and water and get it off the windows, and, and they were telling me that it eats the paint. There's an acid in their blood, and it eats the paint on your car and all this. And I had happened to mention it to a friend of mine, and he said, wait. He says, you don't even know the story about these love bugs yet. <laughs> the love bug. And I, and I was like, what's the story? He said, apparently, um, there is a, uh, uh, a bird, an invasive bird or something, that was brought into Florida. And this bird is eating something that they don't want it to eat. So they thought... Let's see if we can if we can bring something in that the bird will eat, so it leaves a it leaves alone whatever species it seems to be devouring. And somebody decided to bring these love bugs in. I don't know if they either come from Africa or South America or something. And they're, they're an invasive species. These love these love bugs, right? But they're like, okay, but the birds will eat them, so we won't have a problem. So they bring them and they let these things loose in Florida, and the birds don't even fucking like them. Oh my and he's like, <laughs> you'd think. That somebody would say, "Can we test it? Where's the science? Right? Can we can we have a bird try one and see if it likes it, doesn't like it, not interested? So now the love bugs are like they're they're everywhere. So when I saw when I saw this article, which I'll also get into the psychology behind this thing in a little bit, but it reminded me of that. And then uh, our 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 friend and and." Um, uh, uh, our friend and, and 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 colleague is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> right. My God. Um, Angelique Ruer's recently moved to Florida a few years ago, and she was telling me, like, her yard's like a zoo. It's like armadillos and peacocks and love right. bugs and Seen giant freaking lizards in the car, you know. It's uh, it's kind of like living
0: it in a zoo down it's, down there. And now they're coming up here. I know. Now they're making their right. way towards us. Right. And to be honest with you, when I first read this article and I started looking at armadillos, the only armadillo I've ever seen has been on the side of the road, and that was a couple summers ago driving through Texas. That's it, and it was ah. dead, deader than a doornail. Texas. So they're all over down okay. in Texas and Oklahoma and all that. We don't have them where I come from in Montana. It's just too way cold. too damn cold. So too far to walk. Too, it's too far. It's road. it's I'm a sure long legs. it's a long hiatus. However, this may me go even deeper into Talking talking about like epic migration stories. Like and and we'll tie in, you know, a little bit about migrations and the thought process behind it because we promise you there is a lesson within this lesson yeah. that we're gonna be talking about. But it got me to go through this. I, I came across a fascinating article by Reader's Digest. Remember the Reader's Digest? I Sucker very much is still remember. around, apparently. What's that? It's still around. I mean, I I loved that magazine yeah. as a kid. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I used to live for the Reader's Digest. My grandma would have it, she'd finish it, she'd throw it my way, that and the National Enquirer. I'm telling you, my What's two favorite National guilty... P- my I, two
1: thought, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say National, National Geographic. Geographic. Yes. Well,
0: National Geographic, just for the nudies. It was artistic. It was artistic. It, it was very well done. But yes. I, the Reader's Digest and National Enquirer, my two guilty pleasures, but there was this article about the 10 of the most epic animal migrations, and I'm not going to go through each one of them. But I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to have a conversation about you know, how nature goes about doing things and how humans go about doing things. So let me, first of all, let me share some of these. And and Please some do. of these you've talked about before, like the monarch butterfly, for example. Yeah. Their migration is so long that the article says it takes sometimes four and five generations to travel from their Mexican wintering grounds into the Northern United States. So it's not just they go and they hang out for a while, then they come back. It takes generations for them to make that migration. I thought that was very, very interesting. I'd never heard that before. And there's as many as 300 million of them make a journey every year. Now that just shocks me. The fact that there's that many butterflies period making this Trip north. Here's another one that I thought was interesting humpback whales. You hear a lot about these. They will travel 9,000 miles round trip between their migration, between where they go to spawn and where yeah. they live. 9,000 miles. And because they're so damn big, to go from Alaska to Hawaii sometimes takes them as little as 36 days. Seriously? 36 days. Yeah. Again, Reader's Digest, I'll link below. You can read it for yourself, but that was fascinating. Here's another one, Leatherback Sea Turtles. Now, the only thing I knew about Leatherback Sea Turtles was basically from Finding Nemo. You know, these turtles, they get right. in this and they travel great distances. 10,000 miles they go between breeding and feeding.
1: Yeah, I had some interesting interactions with Leatherbacks um, when I was uh, I was diving uh, off the coast of Maui and we were diving in a... Um, uh, what basically was a collapsed it was a caldera right a collapsed volcano right sure. off there and the there was all kinds of all kinds of, of different things to see down there but as you would make your way kind of out of the opening of the caldera and you were going back to the to the boat you had the 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 ability to interact with these sea turtles and number one you're not allowed to touch them Right? Sure. But they will literally come up to your face mask, you know, and it was the coolest freaking thing. It was absolutely amazing. And then, of course, they give you the horror story about, you know, uh, straws in the water, 10 pounds of plastic in their gut, and warming, and, you know, all that stuff. But, um. Yeah, there was a there was a whole thing about that. So fin- whenever finish what you were saying. Yeah,
0: and they're so. The, the cool thing about sea turtles is they're so old. Like they they live like a right? long time. Like how they, long do they live? I'm not exactly sure. This article didn't go into that, but I remember they have a long lifespan. And I I've swum with some turtles before. It's a very cool experience. They'll come right up to you. They're very friendly. Not as friendly as dolphins, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, w- I just thought it was fascinating. They will go ten thousand miles between where they breed and where they feed, which is shocking. So I got two more. Um, the wildebeest, and we've all seen the stories uh, of the great wildebeest migrations and them crossing the river. This is what was fascinating. They'll go 500 miles, which doesn't sound like a lot between Tanzania and Kenya. I personally haven't walked 5,000 miles uh, recently, so it's probably quite difficult. Or, and
1: you didn't cross a river. I didn't so. cross
0: a river. Two million of them make the trip. And two hundred and fifty thousand of those will not survive that river crossing, because Because not only because of the crocodile-infested Mara River, or from attack on the other side. It's it's basically a buffet. The lions are there, the hyenas are there. They just sit on the other side of the river and wait, because the only way to get to where they're going is to cross that river. And you've seen these migrations. I think they're so big you can even see them from space. They kick up so much dust, but they the wildebeest. It just doesn't, I mean, you have a 25% chance you are going to eat it, meaning by the farm when you cross that river. That's
1: high. Isn't That's that amazing? 20. So you said two hundred and fifty.
0: 250,000. Don't make it. Don't make it. Out of the two million that go through.
1: And is that just because of the river or is that all conditions?
0: I guess it's I guess it'll be all conditions, but in order for them to get from Tanzania and Kenya, they've got to cross that Mara and River the and there's Mara just croc I mean, think about it. Everything all these-
1: comes to wait for them to cross. Yes. But here's what I've seen. <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the videos of this where they show them all lining up at the river and they know that there's crocodiles in the river, right? So they're they're like it's more and more pressure, more and more pressure, more and more pressure until they start falling. Falling in yes. and have to go, and then it's this mad mad rush. But then that's the feeding time. Yeah, that's when they That's when the, the, the crocs start going, in. and the lions, and yeah, like
0: all the predators <laughs> right. start showing just up. Hanging up out. There. It's
1: like the whole the entire. It, uh, Honestly, it's chain. like
0: it's like showing up at a buffet. It's like they're just showing up, waiting. What do you want? Oh, that one looks good. And I always tell, I always make this joke with my family that if we ever get stuck in a situation where there's a wild animal chasing us, I only need to beat one of you. So <laughs> That's right. So I always That's say to right. them, I only need to be faster, faster than one than of than you. you. That's yes. exactly right. Yes. But uh, yeah, all joking aside, we don't condone that type of thing here. But yeah, it's, it's always Depends very on fun. the child from what I hear. That's true. Right. Yeah, natural selection <laughs> will take care of itself. And then lastly, this one was interesting because I'm not much of I didn't I didn't follow the the migration patterns of birds but there's apparently this bird called the arctic tern and the tern spelled t e r n it travels some 44,000 miles in a year what? And it basically goes between the poles from north to south pole. And they actually were able to create, and the reason they know this is because scientists were able to create, it's a small bird, okay. to be able to create like a small little chip situation where they could track these migration patterns. And these birds will travel around 1.5 million miles in their lifetime, really? which to put that into perspective is the equivalent of going to the moon and back three times. That's how far these little bastards can fly. And they go from the north and south poles. Now, I wouldn't know a turn from, you know, a robin if I were to see a bird in the air, but I just thought that was really interesting. You
1: wouldn't know a turn from a straight line. Oh, damn, that That would have been perfect. Let's back that. I'll fix that in post.
0: (laughs) But as you see, the the whole idea behind this and talking about epic migrations and of course the fact that these armadillos are making their way over here, the armadillo apocalypse, as some people might be referring to it here in North Carolina, it's that there's this natural intuition that nature has. They seem to have it living deep within their programming. This is what they were born to do. Even though they don't know, like... Elephants can seek out water at great distances. These humpback whales know to go back. The salmon know to go back to their spawning grounds, even if it's thousands of miles to get there. They just are born with that. And it made me think how humans are similar. We've got similar things going on inside our bodies that are intuitive and we have a a wiring of sorts. And then there's many ways that we're different. And you've, you've done many teachings around nature. I thought it might be good to kind of reintroduce that and have a conversation. <coughs> about what that looks like, how humans are similar to these animals we just men- mentioned, and then maybe how they're different.
1: Well, what's interesting is that when, you're, when you, uh, whenever you're watching one of these animal shows or you're reading about them in, in Reader's Digest or National Geographic or whatever, and they're talking about the vast dif- the distances that they're going, there's a purpose behind it. And what I've always found very interesting is the fact, like, the obstacles that you're talking about that they have to overcome to get there. The fact that there's, there's, you know, there's a, a, a mother wildebeest, a father wildebeest, a two baby wildebeest, right, just to paint a picture, and they know that they're going to cross this river. And they know there's a very good chance that one of them, and right. it, and probably one of the kids, because the animals go after the weaker and the smaller, are going to actually bite it that day, right? But sure. the purpose of whatever it is, whether it's breeding or they're going after water or they're going after some kind of food, is pushing them forward constantly, Um I've read about I've read about you know some of the whales I don't know if the ones that you're talking about are, are doing this also but some of them follow the the sardines right oh sure yeah those do you ever see those like those big sardine balls in the in the water yeah. they're, they're just you know they're crazy enormous um, or various other uh, things that are that are that are blooming or cycling in such huge quantities that all of these uh top of the food chain animals come from all over the world just to go eat for a few days, right? I mean it's a it's an astounding thing. But what I what I find interesting, like there's this parallel, and the parallel is that a significant purpose will push any life form to go above and beyond what you would think would be normal uh, or face its own demise because it has to fulfill that purpose. And it was actually this morning, I was doing a teaching for a group of individuals and we were talking about work ethic. And I was mentioning that, you know, in the idea of work ethic is the the purpose. Like what is a person's purpose uh, for, for understanding a work, work ethic, defining a work ethic for themselves, and then actually following through on it versus the idea that so many people are raised with, just this this mental image of what their life looks like. In the United States, I don't know when this actually started. I probably should know this, but I don't. When the idea of the American dream showed up originally. But, you know, the American dream is basically you you grow up, you go to work, you get a job, you get a paycheck. That creates your life and it creates uh, um, some amount of safety or stability in a person's life. But what's not there is a vision. There's no purpose there. The purpose was shifted for human beings to the idea of certainty and safety. But nowhere do we see that in the animal kingdom anywhere. I mean, um, there. a matter of fact, you see the opposite. And, and I in in my mind as you're telling me about this, I see those wildebeests because I've seen the show where they're on the edge of the river and they're all nervous about going in the river because they know that it's just loaded with crocodiles that are enormous, right, and rip them in half. And yet this intense purpose to move forward, to literally face their own death in order to move the species forward is there, and that's, and that is also there in human beings. Like the idea that we would, we would push past our own identity. We would push past weaknesses. We would push past whatever our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, our great 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 grandparents would say. This is what constitutes uh, a life, or a well-rounded life, or a well-balanced life. But what human beings did, though, T, is they, that's why it's called the dream, I think, right? The dream is now the, the image, the fantasy. It replaces the natural purpose with one that is manipulated by people in order to get human beings to do what they wanted them to do. Instead of following that purpose that drives all life forms, in a specific direction. So it'd be interesting to find out when that actually showed up. Did you look it up? I
0: did, I I got it on the fly right here. So apparently the American dream, the term itself was coined in 1931 by a gentleman by the name of James Truslow Adams. And this is his quote saying that life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement, regardless of social class class, excuse me, or circumstances of birth. So yeah, 1931, this American ethos that we call the American dream was first coined by James Truslow Adams. So there you go.
1: That's fascinating. So what other significant events happened around 1931? (laughs) Exactly. Right.
0: We could probably look it up for sure.
1: I mean, well, here's what's interesting about this, right? So the 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 roaring 20s were the roaring 20s oh, right. because we came out of a pandemic, right? That big flu pandemic in mm-hmm. 1918. They killed what 140 million people or whatever whatever it was, an extraordinary number of individuals. We finally get free from that, we have the roaring 20s and then following the roaring 20s we end up in the depression. So when did that when did the economic collapse start? Does it does it, does it doesn't that say it?
0: but I just found out this is fascinating, nineteen thirty one, the Dust Bowl, you know, the that yes, horrible that exactly. horrible drought like that. <laughs> exactly. just, people were probably just shit down on their luck about everything. Yes. They couldn't win at anything, and all of a sudden there's a better right. there's an opportunity for everybody here. Let's right. let's market the, the American dream, yeah. to give people something to look forward to, because probably what you're saying, they didn't have a lot to look forward to back then they at really, that time.
1: They really didn't. We did not have the education combined with the technology to provide that in, in scale for all of humanity. But what's fascinating about that dream is that it was, what, just 15 years later, it well, maybe a little bit, no, about 15 years later, I think around 1945, the end of World War II, where it started to become probable and practical for people to be able to do that because we have this huge revolution uh, in technology and business, uh, after, you know, through the war and then after the war, which allows people, which affords people the ability to be able to go get even a mediocre education and come out and to get the house and the 2.5 kids and and be able to kind of live that, that picture. But it's not what was in the heart and the minds of people that did that. It was what was in the words of somebody else putting that image into their mind that created it. Now, sure. as I was telling the folks this morning that I was talking to, I think that what's probably uh, very true about that is that it was probably very productive for the for that time uh, in history because they didn't have that before. They they were like if you if you I think there's actually documentaries about the Dust Bowl that you can watch. I mean, it was a crazy-ass time when all the topsoil in the Midwest and the farming, you know, what we call over the flyover states now, just blew away in the dust, uh, and, you know, farms just dried up and blew away. So people were, they were stranded. They had to move back to cities in order to be able to provide for their families. And people starved to death. And then the, the depression showed up like it was, it was a crazy time. When everything is falling apart, what's the vision? right? What's the dream, right? So um, in, with the idea of like, well, where do the armadillos come into this? There were a couple of things that I thought was fascinating about this. One, I noticed the media is doing anything to play off of the idea of fear that there's something that's coming after you. Oh, sure. It is it is ninety-nine percent of everything that's coming across in different different media platforms. There's something, there's something coming to get you. I mean, right now, as we do this podcast, there's that whole O variant that just showed up. right? And then now everybody's freaking out about this variant and is it worse and blah, blah, blah. And they're starting to shut things down. And what, you know, I mean, it's look at the time that it's happening. Look at all of the other circumstances that are happening around it. Um, but it was kind of like, here's this armadillo. Like like, do we care that the armadillo is moving? Don't animals do stuff like this all the time? But it was almost as if you need to you need to be on the watch out because this thing, this invasion of species, is is moving to the north. And then and then they tied it to global warming, and it's a whole narrative that gets that gets entrained into people's minds that. It's not just, because what I also think about that's fascinating about this is it's not just the things that we do need to be concerned with, like the ovarian. It is, let's put as many things on the table to get people in that mindset of being scared to move in a direction, period, because then they'll move in the direction that we want them to move in, and they're not following that purpose, right? The armadillo is following its purpose, right? it, it it's, it's like we're breaking out. We're going someplace else. We right. hear that there's nice winners up there or whatever. So so they're moving. But that's why I sent it to you. I just, I think that the, the whole idea is really interesting when it comes to the minds of individuals are so manipulated so easily because, um, and I think who's the one I th- was this the CIA that did this? It might have been the CIA that did it. There was a study that was done um, that they showed that if you could keep people in fear for two months, that you could basically program their mind to accept anything. And I, it might have been the CIA, it might have been some other branch that that did it. Uh, but but what it does is, is that, A person does not have something solid to really grab onto psychologically. You keep them in this idea in their mind that there's something that's coming after them and they become extremely programmable uh, in that situation, they'll buy into anything at that point.
0: Well, I'm so glad you bring that up, and I love the the angle that we're taking here because I think it's really important. So, the original article you sent me was actually from a local Fox News Fox affiliate yeah. here, and that was dated November 19th, 2021. So, I started doing some digging on that, and I found a similar article about armadillos moving into you know parts of you know North Carolina. And that was in 2011. So this isn't anything new, right? Uh-huh. And the, it's interesting that you bring up that they they have this come out, you know, a few weeks prior because it does get you thinking something is coming to get you. Even though, you know, armadillos, they're kind of scary looking too. So people think of that, oh, there's always something out there. The big bad wolf is right. out knocking at your door. So you have to be thinking a little bit about it. But I was fascinated. This is, this is not... Um, new news. This right. is an old news story because migration patterns change based on the weather all the time. Now we could talk about climate change. We don't discount that. We know that things have changed here and there but we always find a way to write ourselves. I think that, is, that yeah. is important to note here and I think that with the armadillos as to bring it back around, this isn't the first time they've made their way to the state and it won't be the last time either, right. which I think is really fascinating. Just to kind of tidy up one little bow you mentioned, you did talk about a uh, Dust Bowl documentary. Yeah. There's one by Ken Burns, who, I mean, Ken Burns is an amazing filmmaker. He did one, I don't know exactly when, it was a PBS, it was a PBS documentary, but just looking at some of the graphic images.
1: Was it called Dust Bowl?
0: It was called The Dust Bowl. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And that's it's, the it chronicles one. the worst man-made ecological disaster in American history. Yeah. And this, just the images itself of people getting their picture taken with behind them just like looks like a mountain of dust coming their yeah. way it's extremely frightening so it's really interesting to see how you know this conversation that we're having today sort of isn't a new conversation but it's a conversation that people need to be having exactly. i think and it's important and i i also like the I liken it to the early days of the pandemic when we all were sort of stuck in our homes and we didn't go anywhere. And you heard of places like India, the, 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 the world, the the, 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 the air was getting cleaner. Uh, People weren't out moving oh, about yeah, as much. Yeah. The smog sort of parted from right. some of our major cities and the animals that in
1: California. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the
0: animals started coming back more and more frequently. It's because we sort of took a pause now Clearly, the pandemic is still going on. We're not as in our homes now as we were, but with the o variant and all these other things, there is another wave of fear that's probably coming. But I think what's important to remember is that when we do take a pause like that, nature does benefit in some ways, whether it's people aren't out fishing as much, people aren't out harvesting as much, right. people aren't doing those sorts of things. So getting back to the great migrations and, and how these animals do it, humans too are migrating. I yeah. mean, we're seeing, we're seeing major cities start to become um, places where people don't want to live and they want to go to a place where they're maybe around less people. Maybe they've got lawns and maybe they've got trees and you're starting to see this sort of great migration right. happen with humans as well. So I guess that's another and, and,
1: way. And look, and also, like, it's a really great point because look at some of the things that are causing people's to le- people to leave major cities is the homeless population has exploded, sure. right? And they're they're because of the way that the laws are um they're letting homeless people basically camp out uh next to you know very nice neighborhoods or within those neighborhoods and those people are are like listen i i don't have a million dollar house they have a guy a bunch of homeless people in a tent in my front yard you know that's not that's not what i pay my taxes for you you know you not that i'm down on homeless people but the way the way the average society looks at it is that look homelessness is an issue it's a problem that we have to deal with but right. that is not how we deal with it by letting them just come and stay anywhere that they that they want to stay i mean you wouldn't let a a, a person that you know, is, is that lives in a house that has a regular job or what you wouldn't let them build a shed in your front yard. I mean, why is it that we would let a homeless person do this? So people are kind of like, until, until we figure out this, this psychosis that we're going through, uh, I want out and I want to go someplace where, people, you know, they're, 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 they're thinking more, right? They're, they're in a help more healthy mindset. So yeah. So they leave, they, they leave, they go to other towns.
0: Yeah. And we're, you know, we see it in, in nature. We see it now in humans, this great need to go to somewhere better. And for many people that better means leaving the cities and going to live in more, you know, less populated areas. I mean, you know, I'm, building property in Montana. We've talked about relocating down the road, having right. a place to go that's interior, that's not at these major centers. It's not from fear. It's from what do I want in this life? Where do I find myself and where do I want to be? And I think that's where, you know, humans are very similar to animals is we do have an instinct. We do have this, this pull. The majority of people will probably live their entire life maybe neglecting that pull. They're yeah. probably not going to respond to it. But for people like you that have, have done this, all your whole life, always felt there's, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You don't rest on your laurels. I'm there as well. I just think it's a really cool way to see how this is happening. And also it's interesting to go back and look at all these little dominoes that have fallen over the course of the last few years that have led us to have a conversation like this. Like you were talking about people leaving, you talked about the homeless. Well, what is that attributed to? I mean, we had homelessness before, it just wasn't as bad, but there's more and more people that are homeless because COVID took them out of the workforce. It didn't allow them to be able to make a living. They lost their house, they lost their car, they lost everything. There's nowhere for them to go. So it really becomes a situation where we need to think upstream about how we can help these people because I don't want to say, oh, they'll figure it out because many of them have mental illness and they won't figure it out. We need to do something where we can help them, but also teach them to be empowered for themselves and not always be entitled and relying on someone else to do it for you. It's easy for me to sit here and say that, but at the same time, it is a series of dominoes that have toppled. And, you know, maybe Armadillo's is the next domino. I don't know what it is, but I think it was a really uh, interesting way. And I'm so glad you shared the article with me because it did allow me to think long and hard about how humans and nature coexist on this crazy world but yet sometimes we don't we don't follow that intuition like they do i think it's so
1: cool yeah that's true
0: yeah but this has been great um man, we could go on and on and on about this but uh watch out
1: be- armadillos are coming to your house
0: next there there's this website where you can actually log sightings of armadillos in North Carolina. And, and to read the, to watch the news article and to read about it, I assumed they were coming in droves. Yeah. I went and looked over the course of the past three years. There's been like maybe a hundred total. Is that there? have been listed. And you can actually go on this. I think it's a Department of They're Natural Resources. They're tracking them and they'll show pictures and you can upload a shot and people are taking selfies with armadillos in the trash. It's just really interesting to see that. It's
1: like the penguin invasion in South Africa.
0: And this, yeah, and this is what I love. I never even thought for a moment about this is just another way that you can promote fear yeah. in people yeah. to be able to exhume some level of control. I right. never would have thought of that. That's right. why. That's why we're going to keep you around. And we're going to oh, keep you around. Well, I appreciate it. it that. Yeah, you
1: go. <laughs> but it's, So, th- and and to the other point that you made, it's been ten years since the last invasion. Right. 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 So, isn't that interesting? It is interesting. It's, right. Like ten years. Well, why are we so concerned about these armadillos? But why wouldn't we be concerned about the armadillos? So it's a, it's definitely a play. for It sure. is.
0: It is. This has been great. Well, hey, another full throttle Thursday in the can. Thank you so much, David. This is cool.
1: let get out of here. All right, all right.
0: Hey everyone, thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this conversation about the epic migrations not only on the human side of things but also on the animal side of things. Fascinating stuff. Hopefully we got most of our stuff right. And uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more about what you think about this conversation. I had no idea that we would be talking about the media and how uh, a a perpetuation of fear can be taken from something as simple as this. Is that their plan? I don't exactly know. It feels like it might be but we will never know. But I think this is really cool. So do us a favor, go down below, leave us a comment, be sure and share this with someone and uh, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell so you get all sorts of great content just like this. In the meantime, have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. I'm off to scout some armadillos.